We don't slut shame around here. They say we are what we eat. Does that come in organic? So who are you eating? I believe they call that an ethical slut. Can I unplug your phone so I can charge my vibrator? I can't believe he couldn't find it. Fuck it. Let's roll. You're listening to Eat, Play, Sex with Dr. Cat, the place to up-level that sexy life of yours with expert talk on sex, love, and nutrition. Hey lovers, and welcome to another episode of Eat, Play, Sex. I'm your sex expert, Dr. Cat. Now, during the month of August, if you've been following me on Sex Love Yoga on Instagram, I've created a series called Love in the Time of Corona. And I was writing on topics on how to date safely and effectively during this super strange times of this pandemic, including everything from how to navigate the new relationship rules <laughs> you know, to keep safe or how to make out with your masks on um, long distance relationships and how to improve your skills of sexting or how to initiate web sex. And I even did a podcast episode number 80 about the fear of intimacy and all the strategies that we engage in to protect ourselves from it. And it was really fun. The feedback I was getting from you all was, was epic. And then, and then I started getting a flood of these messages from people asking me about how to gain clarity on their relationship status and whether they should stay or they should leave. You know, all of this passion and closeness and intimacy that was built up in the quarantine, now they're at a precipice of like, okay, what do we do? Do we move forward with this? Do we call it quits? And I'm like, what the fuck? Is there something star related or moon, full moon ish related or whatever the fuck collectively inspired that this is a common theme that I'm receiving in the boatloads? (laughs) And ironically, I opened my Instagram and I swear it's like randomly opening a book to the exact page to read the exact wisdom that you need to hear in the moment. But I came across this video on relationship ambiguity by Traver Baum. And so I slid into his DMs and I was like, yo, you want to talk about this on my podcast and like really dive in and, and help some <laughs> help some people figure this shit out. And luckily he said yes, which is my honor to bring him forward to you today. We are going to be diving in with Traver Bohm to talk about the perils of relationship ambiguity and how we can lean into the discomfort of ourselves and of our relationship edges for greater transformation. But before we get to Traver, I want to thank you all for tuning in. I want to thank you for your reviews on iTunes. And if you haven't left one yet, then be a doll and go type one up for me. (laughs) Then go and share with your best friend who needs a little relationship CPR. We only do this because we love you. And because our goal here is to help you to eat, play, and sex better. So if you haven't already, please head to eatplaysex.com where you can subscribe to the show, connect with me, and read more about how you can up-level your sex love and vitality. Okay, so before we start the interview, I love to ask my, my guests a question as kind of like a little foreplay to warm you up a little bit. I mean, it's, you're already warmed up. You're like, you're to go. You're like, I got the knowledge. I got the wisdom. Here we go. So, but I still want to warm you up. <laughs> 
So question, what was one of your most awkward sexual experiences? Uh, uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> oh boy. All right. Uh, so I was probably 14 years old when I met this girl and I was in high school. So I was in high school and this is a little backstory. I lived in Japan at the time. And there was a girl who was two years Ooh. older than me, who I was just in love with. But I'm a freshman. She's a junior. She's dating a senior. Like, we have different schools. I'm in an all-boys school. She's an all-girls school. But just love, like, at that age especially. And this is in the 80s, mm-hmm. where, like, love was a thing, Yeah, you know? Uh, yeah. So nothing happens between us because of that age gap or the, the year gap and et cetera. And I end up moving back to the U S but like never forget her stay up late at night, listening to slow songs, like in my bed, dreaming about her and find out that the, she's in this choir and the choir is coming to New York and I'm in Connecticut. So I'm like, Oh my God, I'm going to get to go see everybody in the choir and, and maybe I'll get to see her. And now I'm going to add in this asterisk. At the time in my life, I just come out of a Catholic school and I decided for Lent, I'm no longer religious in any way, to give up masturbating uh-huh. for Lent. That's just, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just the, the thing. And I'm like 15, right? So at that point, I think I'm jerking off like six times a day or something absurd. You know, my mom was like, dinner's in five minutes. I'm like, okay, I'll be right down. <laughs> like <laughs> running down. So... I end up going to New York City to see this girl who I've been in love with for years on day like 38 of no masturbating. Circumstances become what they are. We end up alone. I end up just starting to kiss her. And this is like, there are, cat, there are fucking fireworks going off in my brain. And apparently mm-hmm. elsewhere, because about three minutes into making out with her, I have an orgasm. No touching, no nothing. And... and petrified. So I'm like, what if she finds out? I wonder if she knows this is so embarrassing. I have no sexual history at this point and no ability to be like, oh, well, this kind of embarrassing thing happened. Don't worry about it. We'll just keep going. I'm literally like, just keep fucking kissing her. Everything's going to be okay. This happens two more times in the 40 minutes that we just make out. All of my clothes stay on the entire time. Uh, Hers do not. But I have three orgasms that I have to hide and I'm just like white faced and like, oh no, 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 oh fuck, no, 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 don't oh. do it, don't do it, no, 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 please stop. <laughs> like while kissing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, awful, right? Like terrifying. I go home, I'm in so much shame. I have no one to talk to about this. Now, she becomes the Lent girl. Everybody, I go to college, like all the guys on my college water polo team hear about this, everybody on the swim team, everybody in my life knows about this. Then Facebook comes about, maybe what, like 17 years later. And I'm like, Uh I need to look her up. This just has to happen. And if she, if you're, if you're listening to this, she knows this story. I won't use her name. Like, Hey, I live in LA. Great to see you. She's like, Oh, I live, you know, just a little bit away from you. I was like, Oh my God, let's go grab dinner, grab dinner. And I sit at dinner. I'm like, you are the Lent girl. Everybody in my life knows who you are. Everybody knows this story. God bless her. She's like, we need to go back to your house and remedy this right now. So I got to close the circle and not ejaculate 
with my clothes on while making out with somebody, but at the appropriate time and close that loop. And I can't tell you the satisfaction of lying in bed 17 years later and being like, I don't ever have to think about this, this awful moment oh my in my God. life. And like, ah, oh, I have arrived. And I remember after she left, sending like 25 messages to my friends, like, you're never going to believe it. I just ran into Lent girl again. Every- <laughs> so, what a powerful lesson in, in being vulnerable and owning your story. And, and here you get the opportunity to complete that trauma loop. Because <laughs> I asked, I was like, did you know? She's like, I had no idea. First of all, she was like, you know, 17 or something. But yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah. That was, uh, that was a little bit embarrassing. So Lent girl, God bless you. Love you. Good to see you. Good, good, to, good to share our story one more time. <laughs> In going through your work and listening to your TED Talks and um, even reading one of your books, so you're actually a two-time author, the author of Today I Rise and Man and Civilized. And you're also a two-time TEDx speaker, men's coach and founder of the Uncivilized Men's Movement which is radically defining a way for men uh, around the globe to, you know, re, uh, redevelop the relationship around their masculinity in a way that is both conscious and primal, which is what was really drawing of me to you. I was like, yes, you speak my language. <laughs> you know, when I looked at the, the male landscape to take a quick detour, I could find one of the other. I could find primal. I could find like, come be a Navy SEAL for a weekend and we'll turn you into a badass and you'll be a fucking animal. And I could find the like, we're gonna do yoga and eat vegan food and talk about tempeh and our feelings. And I have respect for both groups and I didn't want to be one or the other. And most men that I talked to didn't really want to be one or the other or they, they, they wanted to take what was best from both. And so that was really what I did is said, hey, what if we laid these two on top of each other? I said, somewhere on the primal edge that's not quite elite military and somewhere on the divine edge that isn't quite yoga teacher, (laughs) spiritual bypasser. Um, A man who can, you know, lead, fight, work out, fuck, own his power, own what he wants to do in the world, have a mission, have a purpose, uh, know where he stands in relationship and have access to his feelings, have, have EQ, have emotional intelligence, have the ability to communicate, the ability to feel, the ability to express those feelings, the ability to hold space for feelings and for the feminine and go, ha, huh, let's overlay these. And boom, it exploded. That's what I got reaction after reaction after reaction. Like, oh, this is what I was looking for. I didn't want to go too far left or too far right. No kidding, because there's so many messages about, you know, how a man is supposed to be showing up. I've had multiple shows where people come on and they try to, and they talk about, well, this is what a man is. And this is how a man, you know, needs to act and that kind of thing. But what was really unique about yours is like um, the, I don't know, there's, there's this sense of permission that you give men to be able to, you know, follow what what feels good, what they want to do, but also um, in a way that's connected with their consciousness, with their, that's aware of it. So there's an allowance there, but it's not just a um, unconscious risk-taking. It's just, you're, you're very connected with it as you're allowing yourself to do these things that, that feel good, that they want to do. Yeah, and for sure, there has to be responsibility with permission. 
right? We have a lot of men who don't have permission right now or don't think they have permission. If we're talking about ambiguity, we have a lot of men who don't think they're allowed to plan a date, who don't think they're allowed to ask a woman out, who don't think they're allowed to approach a woman and say, wow, you know what? I think you're fascinating. I'd love to learn more about you. How about we grab a cup of coffee tomorrow morning at eight? They don't think that's allowed. And then we have the flip side of guys who believe they have the allowance, but the allowance goes too far. Mm-hmm. I'm allowed to harass her after she says, you know what, tomorrow morning at eight's not a good time. I'm allowed to send her a dick pic the next day. I'm allowed to like forcibly take what I want, even if it's not in the physical, but just emotional or um, you know, energetic space. So I'm trying to get both of those ideas out. That one, you have permission to live this fully expressed version, expressed version of yourself as a man. And doing so requires an extraordinary amount of inner work and then an extraordinary amount of responsibility out in the world. Yeah, wow. Yeah, and that work is so necessary and so scary, Triver. <laughs> like, I don't want to do the work. It's uncomfortable. <laughs> so we find all these ways to avoid it and, and just continue to repeat the same patterns over and over again. It's terrifying, right? And, it's, it's, and I'm going to say this just as a broad statement. It's, I believe, more terrifying right now for men because it's such a foreign space to be in. Or if I take guys and say, hey, I'm going to throw... Take a hundred of you. I'm going to put a mouthpiece in and some gloves and we're going to go to the gym. We're going to beat the shit out of each other. I'll get 90 guys. They're like, all right, cool. It's a little bit, it's not my wheelhouse, but fuck it. Let's do it. Say, all right, I'm going to take a hundred guys and go, all right, we're going to go in a workshop. We're going to sit in a circle. We're going to talk about our deepest childhood trauma. We're going to cry that shit out. And I'm going to get two guys <laughs> who've probably been in men's circles before be like, everything's going to be okay. And 98 guys who just are gone. Yeah. Where they all go? Where they are sprinting and crying and like fighting each other to get away. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So it's not our wheelhouse. This is new. The paradigm is new that not only to be allowed to step in that space, but that you'll be okay in that space. You'll be safe in that space. You'll be shamed in that space or or (sighs) little. Yeah. We are in wildly transitional times right now. And I would say Mm -hmm. men, especially, I know I'm biased because I'm in that world. Sure, sure. But I think, you know, so many of us can relate whether we're men and men or women, because even as a woman, I'm observing this, you know, collectively happening in these, these new definitions and then these new, like, new power that's coming into for, um, you know, women identifying um, people and or female identifying people. And it's like, okay, as we build strength here, how do we also learn how to relate with one another? Or how do we, how do we still play with this dance of you know, polarity? And we'll drop into that a little bit later, but how do we still um, engage with one another in a way that, that creates eroticism and attraction and doesn't end up making somebody else wrong, doesn't wrong or shame the other person, um, but, but more supports that growth as it's coming up. It's still kind of new guys. Yeah. <laughs> Let's be kind to each other, right? <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah. I think that's the biggest piece of it is how do we have authentic conversations that don't immediately trigger or react like dumping a boatload of shame on the person in front of us, especially in your arena or, you know, to some extent in my arena too of around sexuality. How do we let people own their fucking kink and then say, oh, by the way, I'm going to share this with a partner and have that partner be skilled enough and attuned enough and have done enough work to go, okay, beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Whether that's fuck. Yes. I can't wait to do that. 
or fuck, no, that's not really my thing. But I think it's amazing that you were willing to tell me I'm just not the right match for you. Mm -hmm. opposed to all the fucking shaming that we do and the belittling and the hurting. And then now those people have to go recover and and get therapy and and heal themselves from the trauma of sharing their own authenticity, which is kind of where I feel like we are now. We have so many people who at some point said like, Hey, I really want to do this thing. And then just got like slammed with shame. And I'd say more so women than men are getting slammed with shame. Yeah, so I'm trying to talk to these guys and say, hey, take a deep breath. First of all, calm the fuck down. Uh, yeah, just just let's start there. Second of all, you weren't a virgin when you met her. So shut the fuck up. Cool. And you probably got some weird shit in your closet, too. If I go through your Internet history, it ain't all clean. So, <laughs> Mr. High and Mighty, let's take a deep breath and say, wow, someone just shared something that was scary with you. How do you hold that? Like a little kid came up and was like, oh, I just this thing happened to me. You wouldn't be like fucking whore. Yeah. Listen and have compassion and, and, and hear it and not, and realize it's not about you. It's about them sharing them. Yeah. Yeah. Such an, we can say this 50 times. We're in such a unique space right now. And that reaction that comes forth, I, in, in my experience, I've seen that as even just that reaction is a, is a manifestation of uh, we're hitting our capacity of intimacy or vulnerability. There's something in that where we're like, okay, that's as much as I can hold here because in, so it's an edge versus, you know, something that I don't think it is that the person wants to hurt the other person. It's just activating this look, that's as much as I can, I can do. And so there is a point that we can look into or an edge we can lean into and see, you know, okay, how can I expand my capacity for intimacy and vulnerability? Mm, such a good way to put it. Expand my capacity. I love that. It feels like right now we've given people, and this is in the whole sort of social, social, socio-social space. Um, we're asking for agency beyond people's capacity. Like, hey, I know how to do this thing. So why can't everybody else? I'm okay holding this much space. Why can't everybody else? I'm okay looking at something from 17 different angles. Why can't everybody else? We're not putting ourselves in, our, in their shoes and saying from their experience and gentlemen with their trauma, we can't expect them to, I can't go in a gym with you and say, okay, here's the deal. 450 pounds on the bar. Ready? Lean down and pick it up. You have the, you have the opportunity, right? You have the agency. You're allowed to do that, but you don't have the capacity perhaps to pick up that much weight. And so I can yell at you and be like, if you loved me, you'd pick the fucking weight up. And you're still going to be like, I can't pick 450 pounds off the floor. I'm like, why not? Why? Oh, that's right. You're different than I am. (laughs) Oh, 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 you have your whole life behind you. That's informing how you show up right now. Oh, you have a back injury. I don't have a back injury. Hmm. Let me d- stop demanding of you what I'm capable of. Oof. That's another great starting point. Oh my God. That's so, oh my God. I just want to throw goes up. Both ways, Kat, right? It goes both ways. When I talk to women, the same thing. He doesn't have the same skill set that you have. Yeah. Have the same, op- he hasn't had the same deep in-depth conversations. Actually, the last time he tried to go deep with someone, he got called a pussy and shamed and punched in the arm and told he was a little bitch. Yeah. You're asking him to, to override that and have a deep, intimate conversation. And whether that was from another man or in a relationship with a woman, he still got shamed. 
Yeah. Or even, okay. So this is, this is a, a more recent experience that I had that I came to light through, but it's, it's very much related to this of, um, and maybe you can relate to, cause you're an intimacy expert. You're an expert on relationship, you know, relating between men and women and, and, um, same with me. And I come in with all these, you know, intellectual you know, patternings and I know how we're blocking all the intimacy and all the things. And so when I'm with a partner and like, we're having a discussion, I, you know, bring some of these things forward. And in my mind, I'm like, yeah, two seemingly, uh, uh, two realities can coexist at the same time. So I'm open to their perspective being different than mine. But what I didn't realize what I was doing was the energy in my body was I'm right. (laughs) (laughs) So I was uncon, I was not aware, even though my words were very, very precise and very, you know, inclusive, but the energy was was, um, was causing this feeling of being wrong in the other person. And now that my brain has been like blown out and like splattered all over the the wall, I'm like, Oh, what the fuck? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I feel you. And I will, I will put the asterisk by what you said a second ago is I am an expert in intimacy and relating around other people. yeah yeah, yeah. like you ever seen that old cartoon where a guy like steps on a rake and it hits him in the face and then he goes like five more feet and hits him in the face yeah yeah that's the (laughs) expertise i bring to my own relationships just so we're all clear so you don't get like 50 emails from people that i've dated in the past like hi you used the word expert another a couple days ago and i'd love to tell you a story Uh, (laughs) let's just clear that right up right here Oh my God. And, and so that actually, you know, brought me to your, your, uh, well, you're so candid in your videos. You're so candid with yourself and, and, you know, what you are learning, which to me is the most inspiring teachers, the ones who own exactly where they're at in their own process. And they're not pretending to be any, anywhere else than where exactly they are. And you did this IG video called ambiguity. And you said, the first words, ambiguity is the death of intimacy. And I literally slid land my, my desk. And I was like, boom. Yeah. Then, and that's when I slid into your DMs and I was like, yo, what's up? <laughs> yo. Oh, wow. I got a yo. Wow. Yeah, that was sexy. Oh my God. That was like a penny dropper for every woman on this podcast. <laughs> Traver. <laughs> yeah, that came to me in, um, in a meditation. Uh, and it came to me after a relationship I had ended that I looked back in hindsight and went, holy shit, I feel so bad for her Mm. because I was so ambiguous the entire time. And then looked back on my relational patterning and went, wow, I have been ambiguous in 95% of the relationships I've been in since I got divorced. Mm. I was not ambiguous in my marriage. I went right up to her and said, I want to fucking marry you. But since then, huh, why is that? And what has been the ramification of that? Trying to then put myself in the other person's position. Say, what's it like to be with someone who's quite articulate and very good with wording around describing the ambiguous to make it feel like it's not ambiguous, but it's fucking ambiguous. Yeah. Hmm. How is that? How is that in, in not just in relational life? Like I took that video and took it to the, the guys in my men's group and said, where in your life do you have this answer to a question? It doesn't matter what the question is. I don't know. 
The answer is, I don't know. And okay, good. Do you really not know? Was the question I asked them. Or do you not want to know? Mm. Or do you want to not know? Because if you know, then you have to make a decision. And if you make a decision, that's a stake in the ground. And then what if you did put that stake in the ground? What would shift about your relationship? And I'm speaking to men here saying, what if you went back to your partner and said, I'm sorry, I think I've been one foot in, one foot out. And in, in not perhaps globally in the relationship, but in, in these particular areas, where am I not showing you who I really am for fear that you're going to hurt me, for not willing to take that risk? And so what if you actually did put that stake in the ground? Right? And then after this, I had a conversation with someone who I was ambiguously dating. Mm. That here's the deal. Uh, I apologize for that. First of all, this has probably been really confusing for you. Here's the thing. I want to date you. I want to be in relationship with you. I'm dating you for the purpose of creating a relationship afterwards. These are my intentions. How does that feel? Mm. And I just watched her shoulders drop and I could sense that she just relaxed. I went, oh, okay, first of all, here's some fucking honesty, which 2020 is not ripe with. And the dating world doesn't seem to have an abundance either. And if I'm actually speaking from my stomach and my heart and saying, yeah, this is it. I'm actually pursuing you for, the re for this reason, to create a relationship, to create this kind of relationship. There's, there's going to be some expanded parts or some unconventional parts of this relationship, but here's my intention. And so I asked these guys to do this as an exercise, one in their relationships, two in their lives. And the reaction that I got back was monumental. And I knew I was onto something where they'd say, yeah, you know, it actually opened up a conversation with my partner. Because I would tell them to ask, how has it, it felt to be in relationship with me with this ambiguity? Wow. And then they get the pain. They get the, the, the reality of like, wow, it's been really hard for me. I don't know where I stand in this relationship. And that doesn't make me feel safe. And that's the, that's the word, Kat. Like, I, I hope I have come to the depth of that word or been on a journey with the depth of that word for about a year of what does safety mean to a woman? Because if you asked me two years ago, when I was teaching women's self-defense, mm -hmm. I'd say it's the ability to rip your elbow across someone's nose and know that you're going to be able to protect yourself in any situation. Like, that was my old definition. Yeah. Physical safety and beyond that, like, how can you not feel physically safe? What else is there besides physical safety? And I went to this workshop that was four men, four women. And it was very, it was all shadow work. So it was like, who wants to go in the middle of the floor and cry and punch the pillow? And like, yeah, like, yeah. oh, pull out your deepest childhood trauma and then share it with the group. And yeah. uh, <laughs> well, fuck, that sounds like fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like five days being locked in a house with lots of tissues and people's stuff. And as the course of the weekend went on, the men sharing just the most horrific shit they had in them. I watched the women's shoulders. I watched how they breathed. I watched how they talked and they would say at the, we've gotten, we felt more and more safe with you as the weekend's gone on, mm. despite learning stuff that I would have kept to myself for fear that if someone knew, it would make them feel unsafe around me, mm -hmm. right? How can you explain trauma or things that you've done or things that you've done that are out of integrity, these huge things, right? And I'm not talking about violations of women, but just violations of your own integrity and then have someone trust you more because of it. That was like a boop 
Like my little brain just went, mm-hmm. what fuck's going on here? And by the end of the weekend, to have them all say to the men in the room, like, this is the safest we've ever felt around you. But huh, all right, there's some weird shit going on here. What a powerful experience because I can really relate to that too. The moment that somebody shares their humanness or where they feel like a mess or they don't have their shit together. And I see that. And it's not just the intellectual verbalization of it, right? Kind of like what I was talking about earlier, but it's like the visceral, like, oh God, I just want to throw up right now. Like this, this, uh, feeling a mess, you know, I'm a puddle. Um, that, that I, it, it makes, it does make my shoulders relax. Cause it's like, oh, I can connect with that, mm-hmm. that right there. I, because I, I also have that too. I feel like a mess too. I can relate, I can connect. And I don't feel like you think that you're higher than me and we can connect there. Yeah. I think that's truthfully, that's what we fall in love with. Mm-hmm. Like not the, me- no, it's, it's a cliche to say you fall in love with the mess, but you fall in love with the humanity. And if we're not willing to show each other our humanity, then cool. I just, you know what? Date my Instagram profile, right? It's, it's curated as shit. I can go fall in love with that. I remember when I was writing publicly for a year traveling and was writing about my divorce, was writing about heartache, was writing about hospice and all of these experiences that I was going through. And I would have women reach out publicly and say, I've fallen in love with you. I was like, no, you fell in love with my writing. Mm-hmm. You don't know a fucking thing about me. You've never been in the same room with me. Mm-hmm. And so it's, I think it's unpeeling of the, the chest armor. And when, for guys listening to this, when a woman does that, like realize the, the reverence that you, like you realize the uniqueness and, and how intimate that, and I'm, I'm struggling for the right word, um, how sacred that is because you're getting something that most people don't get. Right. Like that's when I go, oh, you just shared something that five people in the world know. I am special for getting to hear that. This is a unique situation. This is a special conversation. I need to have reverence around that. And that's the entry point, I think, to really deep intimacy in other people. Yeah, I was like, but it's so hard, Traver, but it's so hard. And and what I'm wondering, so so you're sharing this experience and what you learned here, but then I'm I'm also reminded of the women who might think, well, how do I get my guy to show up like that? How do I get him to to do that without demasculating him or you know, making him feel wronged for this? Is there a way that I can influence him or It's a million dollar question, right? If we have the answer to that in a book, you and I would be having this on private jets, this conversation. Yet there are ways to do it and there are ways to kind of facilitate it. Every time I get a woman asking me, and this is hundreds of times a week, how do I get my guy to X? Mm -hmm. Right back quickly. So what you're asking me is how do I get someone to do something they don't want to do? And they're like, oh shit, you're right. I go, how would I get him? What if he emailed me and was like, hey, how to get my woman to come to jujitsu with me? Like get all dirty and wrestle and choke a bunch of people. They're like, (laughs) oh, there's really nothing he could do. I'm like, well, that may be the case that your guy may not want to do that. He may not be able to, Mm. may not have that capacity and or he may not have been given permission. So this is the, this is the million dollar statement for, for all of the women listening. You all are geniuses. 
like the best in the world at a couple amazing things. And one of them is enrolling us. One of us is invite, one of them is inviting men, enrolling men into doing things that we may not do otherwise, into sharing things that we actually want to share. But here's the thing, you gotta make it feel safe and you gotta make it feel like it's our idea. And just like marketing, you gotta sell us on the benefits. Right, so you have a guy that's like, this is just not his world. He's, he's mm-hmm. literally has no idea what you're talking about. It's as if it, in some way I, I've described it in the past is imagine you being fluent in Mandarin Chinese. Mm-hmm. You and I are sitting at a table eating and about to order dinner and you slide the menu across the table to me and it's in Mandarin. And you're like, what do you want? I'm like, I don't fucking know. I can't read this. <laughs> you're like, well, if you loved me, you'd know. Oh, or, or like, ooh, like, oh shit. You speak it, I don't. So you almost have to model it for me and, and, mm-hmm. and also frame it around, hey, I want to feel more connected to you. I want you to feel more connected to me. I, I want to have a richer experience in this relationship. What I would love, what would make me feel safe, seen, turned on, secure, all of these things is if we got past talking about the day-to-day and we dropped into something that was a little bit deeper. Mm-hmm. So that when I ask you how you feel, you don't rattle off your itinerary for the afternoon. Mm-hmm. And if I ask you again, well, how did that make you feel? One, you don't shame me for the question. But two, you actually take a breath and feel. And then answer it from a place that knowing that you're going to nourish this relationship. So I, I try to use words with men to say, like, hey, if you're trying to grow a flower, you can't just pour air on it. It needs water, it needs nutrients, it needs, it needs sunlight. This is the same as a relationship. So many, of, so many men are out there like, well, it's got air, right? Like nothing is wrong. Yes, it is. <laughs> and it's also vastly undernourished. So how do you do it is one, you do it yourself. And then two, women, you have to be able to hold space for what does come up. Yeah. And this is what I've taken from Michaela Bohm, who's a phenomenal teacher of mine. So, and it's hard for a lot of women to hear. When you get a little bit of it, you have to celebrate it and say like, oh my God, that made me feel amazing. When you shared that thing, I feel so much closer to you. I feel so mm-hmm. much safer now. I feel so much more connected to you. And then speak in some dude language. Like this makes me, this turns me on. This makes me love you more. This makes me want to be engaged in the relationship more. Or explain, Kat, like I, I, I wish some of my exes, and I'm not putting blame on them, yeah. but I wish some of them had sat me down and said, I don't feel safe. Now take a breath before you said, but you know how to elbow someone, I taught you that. And explain to me about emotional safety. Like teach me what it's like to walk in a relationship where you don't feel emotionally safe and what that prevents you from doing. And if I'm a guy worth my salt, I want you fully and open. I want you like as expanded as you can possibly be in our relationship. That's the point of the relationship. And so share that with me, explain that to me and then lead by doing it yourself. Yeah. Oh, you said a word in there that I think is really potent that to, to um, put attention to the word teach, because there's this, sometimes we can get into this, this battle of like, I want to have the power here and know all the things and, and be the teacher. And that can be such a trap because then we're not allowing for the other person to teach us, which would put us more at a, um, you know, a, a, an, an equal playing ground 
And maybe that's, maybe that contributes to polarity. I don't know, but you know, can I let you teach me these things? And can I celebrate the things that I learned from you? And can I acknowledge and be generous with those appreciations and those things that I'm learning from you and how you're having an influence on me? Right. I think there's, there's so much power in that, but we can get into, I don't know, the feeling of like, oh, I don't want to let them know that I didn't know this thing. <laughs> yeah. Then like, why are you in a relationship? Right. It's, it is that vulnerability. It's like, and I know that word's kind of dirty and messy and a little bit weaponized from social media, but why, why are you there if you're not going to fully let the person see you and mm-hmm. ask to be met in the way that you need to be met? And I would love if, if, you know, I had this fantasy when COVID hit, and this is really awful, and I'll just say it, that we all also lost our internet for like a month and then power. And so everybody just had to sit in their shit and couples had to be like, well, let's talk about us. You know, like, fuck, we can't watch TV. We're not looking at, at, at social media. Like, how are we? And people I don't think actually- that needed to happen in order for people to do that. My, <laughs> my clientele load went like full <laughs> once quarantine hit. Everybody's shit got seen. <laughs> yeah, your clientele, but what about the, the rest of the world who was like, yeah, no, everything's true. fine. Everything's good. I've got, I've got barstool sports. I'm good to go here. Yeah. And actually opened up a space to ask, how, how do you feel in this relationship? What are you craving? And asking, having it go both ways and not letting, I don't know, be an acceptable answer. (sighs) What if you did know? What are some ideas? If you could fantasize, what would you want more of? And then not letting whoever wants to squirm out of the conversation because it is reaching the capacity of their intimacy to do so, but make them sit in the heat of it and go, wow, I I, I don't know. I, I really like it when you like touch my hand in the morning in bed. You're like, okay, beautiful. That's, that's such an amazing starting point. What do you love about me touching your hand in the morning in bed? Oh, I don't know. It's a stupid question. I don't want to talk about it. it. makes me feel like you love me. Oh, do you not feel like I love you? I don't know. Like navigating kind of a child to the prize. But it's that, like just that in itself would be an amazing conversation and a starting point and saying, okay, cool. That's the capacity right there. We've hit it. We don't need to dive any deeper. I just, now both parties have said something and know something. What if you put the question back on her guys? What do you love about this relationship? What are you craving? What do you need more of from me? And then taking your ego and perhaps putting it on the shelf behind you. So you're not like, oh my God, this is her answer is an attack. It's not an attack. Just people sharing information with each other. Wow. So this is powerful because this is what, this is the type of shit that breaks the relationship pattern of avoidance and then just re restarting again and restarting again, because the desire for the other person has waned. And it's not, I think a lot of people fall into this. Well, it's just not there, you know, and, and, and that kind of thing, but polarity is created, right? These desire can be created. We just, but we have to be active in it and we have have to, you know, consciously choose it that day to look at, okay, what could some of the blocks and the barriers be here that's preventing that? Um, so that I'm moving towards to figure these things out and resolve it for even my next relationship. If this decides that this isn't going to be a good fit for me, instead of just us pulling away, pulling away, not communicating, and then whoops, slip out the other, the back door. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> out and start again. And then what do you know? You're right back where you started eight months later, just with someone else. Right. Right. 
Are there, and so thinking about this, are there specific absolutes that people should consider when they're in the question of being, of staying or going? Yeah. Is this person as engaged in this relationship as I am? Mm. Unless there's some acute issue. Like if their dad died two weeks late before and you're like, well, they just, they seem distracted. Like that's not fair. But I would, I would say I want partnership where they're coming with the same inquiry, curiosity, intensity, perhaps for lack of a better word, um, energy as I am. Are you in this? Are you into this? Or are you ambiguous? Are you, do you kind of like it? Do you like access to sex? Do you like, you know, like the surface level other stuff? Or are you in this? And are they meeting you in this? Mm. And if you have a conversation that says, hey, this isn't working on this level. Here's what I need more of. Here's what I'd love more of as opposed to need more of. Here's what I'd love more of. Here's the invitation. I think after an invitation, we all need to take space and go, okay, I can't invite someone into my home and then sit there on the door and be like, why aren't you coming in? Why aren't you coming in? What's wrong with you? Why aren't you coming in? Didn't you hear my invitation? You have to invite them and then take a step back. And then if they don't come in, there needs to be a clarification. Was the invitation not clear? Was it not welcoming? Was it not genuine? Or does this person genuinely not want to come in? Or can they not come in? Both of which means they're not coming in, which means then you have a decision point. You're at a decision point of, do I stay? Do I go? Mm-hmm. I would say for women, because this is a conversation I've had number of times. I remember having it right after my, uh, my marriage ended, where I was talking to a woman who, um, in my old business, who came to me and said, you know what? Like, I'm leaving too. I'm about to leave my husband. And she was, I think, seven months pregnant at the time. I, yeah, and, I knew them very, very, very well. Let's just say this. And I asked her, have you sat him down? No TV, no phones, no, no music, no distractions, and had an honest conversation about where you are. Of, hey, this isn't going to make it past Monday unless there's a radical shift. That's where we are right now. Yes. I'm sorry to say this. I know this hurts for you to hear, but I'm so hurt. I see no other option than to leave. And she was like, well, you know, he knows. No. Like, have you had the conversation? Like, no, he, I know he knows. Have you had the conversation? I haven't had the conversation. Okay. She went home, had the conversation. Two kids later, five years later, they're still married. That was the thing for him. He's like, I remember talking to him. He's like, I just didn't know. Like, yeah, she bitching me when I came home from golf because I'd been drinking too much. And, and like the standard, like, you know, I, she left a note here and a note there as opposed to having am, non-ambiguity mm-hmm. and sitting down and saying, hey, I love you. I want this to, I want this, but I'm incapable of staying in a situation that keeps me unexpressed, that keeps me shamed, that keeps me dumbed down, that keeps me uh, uninspired, whatever it is. And then you got to be willing to walk. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and the difference there is, is that she was able to bring it forward and it's in it, the conversation could be had where I think for anybody who's in this situation and they're bringing up the conversations and the partner comes back with off the table itis, meaning like taking the topic, put it off the table, off the table, off the table. Then there's something to look at that, that, that might be a sign to get the fuck out or, you know, to consider that. But I think a lot of people are in this space of, you know, it's, it's too good to leave, but it's too bad to stay. 
stay. And, Uh you know, are trying to figure out whether they stay or they go by putting puppies on a weighing scale and the little puppies like getting off and getting on. And you're like, no, (laughs) like pros and cons. Right. But everything changes constantly. And it's hard to make a clear decision. Yeah. I want to feel that my partner's as engaged as I am. And then there's an allowance for all of the things in her life to come up and know that like, there's going to be days when there's a lot of work. There's going to be days when she doesn't feel good. There's going to be days when, you know, she's pissed about something triggered about something, but is she as engaged as I am and willing to work, willing to sit down and have the hard conversations. I think the challenge cat is that for so many guys quote, nothing wrong Mm-hmm. Is, is great. Like, that's great. That's where it's like golf and relationships are two of the only sports where men aspire to mediocrity. Mm-hmm. Right. And go like, yeah, it's great. Like I, I, I'm not shanking the ball to the, like, there's nothing acutely wrong. What could possibly be wrong? And it feels like I'm just going to speak for your people that that's not good enough. Like zero. The, like, I'm just at the zero point. Like guys like, yay. Women like, well, it could be a lot better. Hmm. Why don't we do some work? Why would we do it? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. That mentality is very heavy in the male collective, Mm. not realizing how amazing a a relationship can be. And then just because I'm speaking to dudes, how that will inform every other area in your life. You want to make more money, clean up your relationship. You want to get in better health, clean up your relationship. You want to be more inspired and creative and et cetera, clean up your relationship. Who doesn't want to have more, better sex? Clean up your relationship. I don't get a lot of guys calling me going, you know what? I'm just having so much incredible sex and so is my partner that it's problematic and I need help with that. Like that call is just, it ain't coming. But the opposite, every day. Every day. Every day. <laughs> and the lo- yeah. And it's, and it's like the longer that we stay in that amb- ambiguity, the more... Um, the, you know, it's almost like the more that we, it sends us a message that we can't really trust ourselves and our ability to, to survive, whatever the consequence is of of either side, you know, we put our feet on either either side of the the line. So I can imagine that that creates a sense of betrayal in ourselves too, or a sense of like, we can't trust. So make the decision, make the action sooner, put your feet on one side sooner, because you're not only killing your sense of self-trust, but you're impacting this other person as well. Yeah. Where they're feeling, you know, what's wrong with me. There's a a biblical quote that I'm going to kind of botch, but I believe it's something to the effect of, um, since you are neither hot nor cold and lukewarm, I will spit you out of my mouth. Oh, right. That sounds like a tattoo on somebody's rib cage. (laughs) (laughs) I'm doing it. I'm doing it. It's so poignant. (laughs) When I wrote Man Uncivilized, I think that was an entire chapter. I was like, guys, do you get this? We are so ambiguous right now as a culture, as a because there's it's we have so much opportunity. Right. In the dating sphere, you have access now to so many more people. So it's okay to go, well, not really quite in, you know, because I have yada 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 waiting for me on the other side. Oh my God, this is so good right now. And I want to, so we've made this a tradition in season three of E Play Sex to start bringing in more of our listeners' questions because they bring in the best questions, the best material here. Mm-hmm. So some of the, so if you follow me on Instagram at sexloveyoga, 
I've been taking your questions and I put them to my guest experts here. So what the first question is, how do you get a man back after you've hurt them? Ooh, Ooh oh my God. Juicy one. <laughs> I would say, well, this goes to both people. You first, you may not. Right. I think we just have to accept that you may not, that relationship rubber band, right? You can stretch it, you can strap it, stretch it. And if it snaps, it may have snapped. So I think starting from that point is a good, just starting from reality that this may not work. And then personally, I believe you do the work that you need to do so that when you come to that person, you say, Hey, first of all, I fucked up and I'm really sorry about that. And I know this hurts you in these ways. You acknowledge the pain that you caused and say, this is what I've done to remedy this situation and make sure that it never happens again. To me, that's complete. Then it's not like, well, how do I know it's not going to happen again? I promise it won't. Mm -hmm. I promise when I get triggered in the exact same way I got triggered before, I'll magically do something new. Like, well, I don't really believe that. And are they willing to acknowledge it? Are they stepping fully into like, hey, I totally fucked up and I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just a powerful state, even for you as the fucker upper to just own like, Hey, I did this and I'm sorry. It's, 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 it's not, it's not how I aspire to be. I can't say it's not me. Like anyone who's like, that's not me. I'm like, yes, it was. <laughs> yes, it was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It is. And I've said it myself, but like, I can't yeah. believe I did that, but yes, it's me. So own it, own the pain that you caused and then come to them with, how you're going, how you've worked, worked on it and some solutions, right? Yeah. What did oh. you need in that moment? Sorry, please. I cut you off. Oh no. I was just gonna say, yeah, I would also add on there, be empathetic, like see if you can connect with how they must've been feeling when they received that, you know, that behavior or that action or those words or that energy. Cause now I'm just energy, <laughs> energy can hurt too. <laughs> like how you present yourself and, and, um, and what that must've been like for them to be on that receiving end. Yeah, you got to humble yourself a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I know I don't like it either, but I've, yeah, I've yeah yeah that's yeah. I've had to do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's freeing. It's really really freeing. When I did that year project cat uh, in 2016, one of the first things I knew I had to do. So it was titled the Year to Live Project, where I lived the entire year as if it were my last. One of the very first things was making amends with someone that I dated five years before. Mm -hmm. And I reached out to her and said, it's, I know it's five years. You can tell me to go fuck myself. I owe you an apology. Can we go get coffee? Yeah. And I had to sit across from her and say, okay, here's, this is not an excuse. This is what was going on in my life at the time. Mm -hmm. I'm hundred percent apologetic for how I treated you. I would love to hear what it was like from your perspective and period fucking period. I'm sorry. Yeah. And that freed us both. It didn't absolve me of my behavior, but it, at least I didn't sit around. Every time I'd thought about her for five years, I'm going to tummy ache. And like oh. that, something's happening here that I need to clear the field. I need to make my, take all of those open loops and close them. So I get some of my energy back and get, get my integrity back. Yeah. Yeah. Oof, I love that. And so uh, question number two, I'm dating this amazing woman, but there's something missing in our energy together. And I've had, and that I've had in past relationships. So it doesn't feel quite right. Not sure if I stick through it or call it quits. So this is perfectly what we're talking about with that ambiguity. Mm -hmm. Can you name, I would ask him what it is. 
Like, well, name. I ask him. <laughs> and I know. If, if you were in front of me, like, well, what is it that's missing? And mm. here's the question. And because I've been there myself, like, oh, there's something missing. So that's my invitation to scoot out the side door. Mm. As opposed to that's my invitation to looking and seeing, am I allowing this thing that I want to experience? Am I facilitating it? Am I inviting it? Am I showing it first in myself? Or am I asking her to show me something, go somewhere that I'm not willing to go first? Oof. Ooh. Whoa. Talk to men about, you want to be a leader? You want to be a fucking king, bro? And have a, like the whole Instagram king thing? Then you got you to be the one that steps up first and yeah. ask yourself, where are you hiding? Where are you not fully showing up? Because perhaps it's the exact same experience for her, but with just a different flavor in the relationship, she's craving something too. Wow. Yeah. And that idea of vulnerability, I think about, um, I've, you know, this, this idea of, again, you know, be feminine and soft and vulnerable and all this stuff. Well, where are you also being vulnerable and being, you know, super raw yourself? You know, if we were expecting that to show up in another person, how are we doing that here? Yeah. yeah. Oof. Love that. Okay. So number three, what if my guy just doesn't want to talk about our issues? <laughs> 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 that's so good that's like <laughs> the question on everyone's mind <laughs> uh, first of all you have like my full hearted empathy because that must be frustrating as shit uh, to have someone that's clo that closed off and so we go back to what we said originally can you enroll them can you s and I know this is a shitty way to frame it but I'll do it anyway can you sell it a different way Right. And mm -hmm. or, or not, then why are you with someone like that? Mm -hmm. Why is it okay for you to be with someone who's not engaged in the relationship and conversation? When I say this to men, I'm like, have you ever had a business partner? Like, yeah. Have you ever gone to meetings and your business partner is not there? They just no show. How long would that person be your business partner for? Maybe I'd fire him tomorrow. I'd quit tomorrow. Like, that's how your woman feels. Mm -hmm. She shows up to the meeting is like, hey, it's a relationship meeting. You're like, it's fucking stupid. I don't want to do this. I don't want to talk about it. You're allowed to say, I don't want to talk about it all the way into the meeting while you sit your ass down and then start talking about it. You don't have to like it, but you got to show up for it. Yeah. Yeah. So my question back to her is why is it okay to be in a relationship with someone who won't talk to you about stuff? Yeah. Blaming, but like where in your game is that a, a hole, right? Like where, in, where, where, where is that an allowance where it shouldn't be? Mm. Right. That's powerful. I get a, the, that in a similar form from people often of how do I get my guy to do couples therapy or how do I get my guy to do his own therapy or to do this online program with me or that kind of thing. And, and I, I think similar to what we're saying, like, look at the resistances, like what, what might be there because it's scary to look at your stuff. As we were talking about earlier, it's fucking scary to say, Oh, I'm going to look at my shit, you know? And All right. You've got to almost take it a mile away from therapy. Like, what, are, what is the thing that if, if I have this thing that I don't want you to know, if I have a secret or something I'm ashamed of, or I'm going to be told that I'm not measuring up, but there's something I don't want to look at, acknowledge, own, or share. And I put that thing in like my downstairs basement closet. And that's where it lives. Then I have a pretty good way of making sure that you never get there. I don't let you in the house. Now, I have a really good way of not letting you in the house. I don't let you in the yard. 
I have an even better way to make sure you never get in the yard. I don't let you in my city or in my neighborhood, let's say. And that's the guy who won't talk about relationship. He's usually so scared of something that's deep buried in his shadow that's down there in the closet. that he's like, "Uh uh-uh, can't get there. I can't share my trauma with her. Yeah. The thing I'm ashamed, the thing I'm embarrassed about or ashamed of. And Kat, here is, I mean, you're a therapist. You must hear so much of the, the upper ends of this. In the past five years of leading men's workshops, it has been radically, there have been radical shifts in the amount of trauma men are willing to acknowledge that happened to them. And so I tell them, you know, I've taught self-defense. I know the numbers of sexual assault and sexual violence against women. Mm-hmm. I know it. And yet I still forget when I'm dating someone that most likely she's been traumatized multiple times, if yeah. not fully. But I have to remember that. I have to remember, I have to remember, I have to remember. And most guys don't even know that that exists. And so most women don't realize just how brutally a man may have been traumatized in his past. We don't mm-hmm. really have societal space for that yet. Right? I don't know what your religion is, but the Catholic Church still exists. There have been thousands and thousands and thousands of cases of molestation against mostly boys. And yet it's like, oh, well, fuck it. It's dudes. They'll get over it. And then we're just starting to learn about all the ways that men have been traumatized. Yeah. And so it may not be like if it may not be that I don't want to go to therapy with you. But I don't want to admit that I watched my dad beat the shit out of my mom and there was nothing I could do about it because I was eight. Yeah. And so I'm not going to go to fucking therapy with you because this is stupid, right? As opposed to like owning that or for, you, for my woman to realize like, wow, there's something in there deeply buried. Mm-hmm. But this guy doesn't have permission, skill, or even the capacity to hold. Mm-hmm. It would be like ripping the Band-Aid off an atomic bomb. Now that's some guys. I also just want to say some guys are fucking lazy. And don't be lazy, guys, <laughs> listening to this. Like, go, go to therapy. Everybody. Like, I think at birth, you should get, like, a birth certificate, passport, parents, and a therapist. <laughs> there you go. Here you go. And, like, a kettlebell, right? <laughs> Starting that in the new society. We all need... you covered, right? <laughs> yeah. And there's stigma, right? We also... We can look... I've talked to therapists, a number of therapists, who say, I understand why men don't come to therapy. A lot of times, they get railroaded. They get, they don't get listened to. It's not as important. They're, they're mm-hmm. side, they feel like they're, the therapist is taking sides. Mm, yeah. Right? That's, if that's their experience and that's in the collective, mm-hmm. like men don't trust therapists. That right there is the thing. One, they're not comfortable with any of it. And then two, why am I going to go sit with someone who's not on my side? Not all therapists though. Hashtag not all therapists. Yeah, we're amazing. <laughs> we're so good. <laughs> but we're also human too. And that's, I think that's really important for everybody to understand. And like we were talking about earlier, you know, you and I, we're still on our own personal evolution um, in this lifetime as well, in our own point. And, and that's just as imp- important to recognize that we don't, you know, it's, it is easier for us to identify these patterns in other people. And we're still grown we're still growing ourselves Trevor we're still getting it what was that a a, a rake that just hit me in the face oh that's right that's right Uh, oh my god you got how many times in relationships I've I've literally sat down put my head in my hands and be like but you teach this how the fuck could you have done that knowing that you teach this you have these conversations like it's okay we're okay right now sometimes we make mistakes Yeah. yeah 
Yeah, it's very true. Yeah. Because these things are hardwired and, and the process of changing those hardwires is takes time. The psyche wants to grip tightly to these, these things that we've, that have worked for us, quote unquote, for all this time. <laughs> yeah. Wow. This, this whole conversation was fucking fire. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to send this to all all my friends, I hope you do too. <laughs> and everybody else there, send out to your best friend, your sister, your your brother-in-law. Like we, everybody needs to needs to hear about this, whether they're in a relationship or whether they're in the in-between stages of a relationship. And yeah. because so that we can empower ourselves to begin to lean in and create the exact love and relationships that we've been wanting. Yeah. Oh, how how can people find more of about you? Where can they watch your TED Talks? Where can they find you, read your books? I spend a lot of time on Instagram, which mm -hmm. is at Traver Bohm, T-R-A-V-E-R-B-O-E-H-M. Uh, my website, which has all my courses and books and all the things is manuncivilized.com. Mm -hmm. TED Talks are on YouTube. TED owns them. So they, they don't let us post them a lot of places. But mm -hmm. the first one Ted. is called uh, How to Make Pain Your Guru. And then the second is why we need more uncivilized men. Watch that one too. Highly yeah. recommend. Five stars on the Yelp review. For thank sure. You so much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you so much for joining me in here and, and just enlightening everyone out there. My pleasure. I appreciate the space. All right, lovers. Now, if you love e play sucks, then I think you'll fall in love with my friend Kelly, who has this epic show so aptly called The Kelly Show, where she tackles some of these hard questions and challenges you to really think outside of the box when it comes to spirituality, sexuality, personal growth. And her guests are such a variety from physics to therapists to coaches. And it's really funny. So head over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe to The Kelly Show. Check it out. Tell me what you think. Lovers, thank you again for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, hit subscribe and head over to eatplaysex.com to connect with me and grab my sexy guides. Because my goal here is to get you to eat play and sex better so you can improve your sex life which will improve every aspect of your life until next time keep it sexy